Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast and part two, the final part of our mega 2017-2018 recap special. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash, and here with us, as always, from another time zone from New Zealand, it's Joe, aka Nose Growth from Fly. Joe, welcome. Thanks, man. I'm really looking forward to uh, tonight's shot clock special. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've got my, uh, I've got my, I've got my clock ready to go. We're gonna, we're gonna give you some spicy takes at double speed. Yeah, we're rolling with the PTI format. It's going to be interesting. With us also, and as usual, the only real baller from Newcastle. It is, of course, mm-hmm. Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives. How are you, Jackson? Yeah, tra- fantastic, man. I can't wait to give this shot clock thing a go. I mean, uh, I might be jacking up a couple of hot takes early in the shot clock. Maybe six seconds in, you don't see it. Bang, there's a three, but, you know. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Do you have the hizzy pull-up jumbo in your bag? That's what you need. Oh, yeah, man. I've got, I got hand, handles for days, mate. Don't you worry about right. it. Yeah. You'll, you'll, so you'll it's see a prerequisite it. for being part of this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> good to know. Look, get to do the uh, mixtapes some... beforehand. <laughs> we all got in there. Some very quick housekeeping before we get started. If you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can do so by uh, finding us all over Reddit. Uh, we're, we're all over the Boston Celtics subreddit. Or else you can follow us on Twitter at RCelticsPod. That's the letter R, CelticsPod. Also, we're now on Spotify, finally, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and pretty much everywhere you can get your podcasts. The Spotify thing took a while, had to uh, roll back some very much copyrighted music to to get approved, but we did that, and uh, finally on board with Spotify, uh, as well as the aforementioned platform, so that's awesome. Thanks also to Celtics Down Under on Facebook. All of our content goes up there. Um, plus, they're just a great little Celtics community in their own right. Definitely hop on there if you're a Celtics fan in the Australia, New Zealand area. All right, guys, we've got the part two, the grand finale of our 2017-2018 season mega recap special coming up. Go and have a listen to part one if you haven't already. But before we get to that, some current present day business. A few days ago, June 15, Yahoo Sports Shams... Tarania? I've never actually said the name out loud. Tarania. He's just been Shamwow forever. Mr. Shamwow himself reported via Twitter that Kawhi Leonard wants out from the San Antonio Spurs. Then shortly afterwards, Shams followed up with Leonard has grown uncomfortable with the Spurs and is ready to move. Guys, thoughts on Kawhi Leonard's sudden availability in the league and can we, should we make a move for this guy or should we stand pat? I've, I've got a theory that I'm going to bet most of us fall pretty much in line with and you can stop me if i'm wrong here and i'll, I'll, I'll i won't follow the shot clock format because it's in oh <laughs> now nah, go over it okay. <laughs> you got me on a, you got me on a violation early man it's damn all right look for me it's it's simple as this it's not worth it's not worth the risk of him leaving after one year and i don't care how good next year can be i mean it'd be a, we'd be turned into a juggernaut of a team like there'd be no two ways about it regardless of what we give up but for me the risk of him potentially leaving after one year versus six years or plus or thereabouts or whatever of Brown and Tatum on their rookie contracts and the development that they're going to get. For me, that far outweighs what we could get, even the worst case scenario with Kawhi. 
And that's just how I'm, that's just really where I'm falling on it. I feel sure. some, I feel a little bit different to you. I'm less concerned about the one year thing for me. Uh, although that is a concern, don't get me wrong, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, for me, the big thing is I feel similarly about this to the way I feel about the possibility of acquiring LeBron. I just, it, like, I want to field a, a team that can win it all. I don't want to field a team that's going to win it all. You know, like, that's no fun for me. Trust me, I cheer for the All Blacks. It's boring. Like, the seasons are boring. No, boo-hoo. You know? <laughs> like, we win all the time, you know? And I don't actually want that. Like, I, I want... I want the challenge. I don't want an 82 regular game regular season with really no significance, um, which I feel like it will be with Kawhi on board. I'm on both sides of the fence. Part of me is a, in a trust Ainge mindset where just whatever Danny Ainge does, because I you know, love the team, love the front office. I, I, I've seen, I've doubted enough Danny Ainge moves in the past that I've learned to distrust whatever he does. And if he does make a trade for Kawhi Leonard, then I would assume that they had gotten some sort of verbal guarantee from Kawhi Leonard that he yeah. was committing to, to re-signing. You get the feeling he would stick around because it's not like he's going into like, you know, one big shot on like a red desperate roll of the dice. Like but Celtics, you know, we're all homers here, but like they're a pretty well-run organization and they're in a very good spot. So I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see him leaving unless like something, you know, similar to what's been going down in San Antonio went down with us. So, I mean... I think I'm still concerned about him leaving potentially after one year, but realistically, I think he would. I think he probably would stay anyway. But I mean, still doesn't change my position to be honest. Okay, so let me ask you guys: Would you give up Gordon Hayward straight up for Kawhi Leonard? How would you feel about that possibly happening? Like in a vacuum, is it like we can kind of analyze this pretty. We can break a it vacuum down a where like in a vacuum, all in a vacuum yeah. is Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Everyone's is everyone is robot. They're all robots. No, no yeah, human yeah. emotions. Yes, Kawhi Leonard yeah. is a better player than Gordon Hayward. Do I want to play trade? Um, so then you're kind of coming down to do I want to trade the negatives of well the negatives of Gordon Hayward being the length of his contract, which is you know for some people regarded as a, as a negative, um, mm-hmm. and his possibility of re-injury and is he coming back at 100 percent? Against the negatives of Kawhi, which are man, I don't know how this like is this dude like do you want him on your team? Like this is kind of a disruption, and well, yeah. um, the possibility yeah. of losing him in a year. And we don't really know. I think that's what you were alluding to there, Joe. But we don't really know what's happening with his injury, the lack of communication around that whole thing, and generally in the NBA, when guys get injured, there's a pretty clear picture of what's going on and what that timeline is, and the diagnosis and the procedures around you know rehab and whatnot. And we just haven't really, other than it's a quad injury, um, like we haven't really heard in much specificity uh, with regards to Kawhi's. Uh, Situation, and I think yeah. most teams will be hesitant to commit a lot to him, you know, with that in mind. I feel like it's a bollocks injury. I don't think it's a real injury. I think it's always been a leverage play against mm. San Antonio. I'm not cool. actually it's been very, take number it's one. Been very designed. <laughs> yeah, it reeks yeah. of that. Yeah, okay. All right. So I thought it was interesting to gauge, you know, your value of Gordon Hayward, but also Kawhi Leonard with the, the Gordon Hayward proposal. Um, I do think that it would be far too cold you know even with the it trade from you know almost this time last year in mind i was listening to the locked on podcast today and they basically echoed all of the sentiments and so i'm not going to repeat everything that they said but it, w- it would be far too cold to trade this man after he just moved to boston and you know he got injured within the first five minutes of the season his whole family's here and mm. there's the brad stevens connection as well not yeah. to mention do do we 
um, damage our image too much as a, as a franchise with the IT injury already, sorry, with the IT trade already having happened, trading now Gordon Hayward away with the history, the short history yeah. that he's had in Boston. Mm. It's, it's just, it's, it's far too cold. Yeah. And it's a but way so, different proposition trading a guy that you traded for as opposed to trading a guy yeah. that you pitched as a free agent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the Brad Stevens connection and, you know, yeah. uh, Horford's option is going to come up sooner rather than later. And do we mar his perception of the team and does that influence mm. a decision for him down the road? And there's just, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's yeah. worth it. I think, I think despite Gordon Hayward not playing the season at all. So on the one hand, you haven't even seen what this team looks like with him. Like, I don't know if he's going to be better than Kawhi in this system, but you know, we don't know what we've got. It could be good enough to get a title anyway. But I think, I think... It would concern other free agents and it would concern other players on the Celtics doing this kind of trade. And I think you have to rebuild the chemistry and the, the trust issues and thing. And I think it could have just a knock-on effect that I just don't think is necessarily worth taking the risk for. So in, in, in my mind, that would, be a, that would be a hard no, even in a vacuum. Yeah, fair enough. So Me too. With all of that said, in a hypothetical world where cap space does not matter, <laughs> would you give up Jalen Brown and the Sacramento pick for Kawhi Leonard straight up? It's the only offer I'd really think about. I still don't know, but it's the only one I would, I would probably mull over, I think. Yeah, like if, if Danny Ainge decided that that was worth it, I'd trust his judgment. But for me, I, I think it's... Um, yes, yeah, so there's no contracts. It's just those two guys. I feel like you're... I sort of feel like we don't, like... Is it, is it actually that much of an upgrade? <laughs> that you know, like that's what I come in. I'm gonna I'm gonna side with no, but only slightly, um, mm. which is probably a little bit of a homer call. But well, like, and I no, know you're running fair. this pod, Ben. <laughs> but Kyrie for Kawhi straight up, would you do it? Oh yeah, I mean I had which heard you can that do. kicked around. Which you can mm. do. Yeah, I mean they're pretty much on par with one another in terms of their the size of their contracts and. Um, like they're they're also both expiring at the end of next season, you know. Uh, I, I guess the the speculation around that is Kyrie has been a little bit. There's been a bit of ambiguity around whether or not he will re-sign. I don't know if you guys listened to the Bill Simmons podcast recently with yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, sorry, with Kyrie Irving was a guest. A lot of people came out of that feeling positive that that Kyrie would re-sign. I I didn't feel that way. Like he was super. Um, he didn't seem like he was in the, the headspace to really talk about it too much or really commit to it that much. And whether or not that's just a professional athlete, a trained professional athlete who's trained in PR and media stuff, mm-hmm. just doing his thing or whether he is actually unsure. Um, with all that in mind, I, I, I might be inclined to, to entertain the idea of trading Kyrie for Kawhi. Having them both on the same team, just from from saying those two names in the same sentence just seconds ago, having those two players on the same team would be difficult from a commentary perspective. The, the names <laughs> are sort of in a, in a tongue twister sort of way, way too similar but different. Yeah, yeah I, it was Jalen and Jay, Jalen and Jason, Kyrie and Kawhi. We could be the jokes team, JK, JK. I don't know if that's a flattering nickname or not, but I mean, it would, it would be one of the one popular suggestions. So uh, before we move on, probably finish where do you Mar- see Mar- him Mar- going? <laughs> where do we Sorry, see Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard going? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be the Lakers, but at the same time, I don't see how San Antonio gets what they want out of San Antonio for that trade. 
anything since then. I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere really out of the ordinary. Like someone, some low team with a high pick does something real silly and tries to get him over. I think so, Philly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to th- say Sacramento. Just, yeah. just going to throw it yeah. out there. And then Doncic goes to the Spurs and they yep. continue their yeah. legacy of um, you know, high caliber, high caliber, low expectation. Yeah. Although I guess with uh, Doncic, the expectations are high, but European yeah. players like you know joining that squad and, and doing amazing things. Yeah. And then Leonard leaves the Kings and then they're, they're shit again. And it, it, it's, it's like everything just is, is as normal. <laughs> just goes yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I, my money would like probably be on Philly. Because even though we can probably beat their offer, I feel like mm-hmm. we don't. I just feel need to do it. I I just feel like we don't. It doesn't make as much sense for us to trade from. I just don't, I don't feel like it makes as much sense for us to trade from as it would for for Philly. Um, well, I think he would be a better fit than LeBron. So there's a there's a sticky thread for uh, an off season talk and and you know for the Kawhi situation on the the Celtics subreddit. User Grolix13 said, uh, instead, we add Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward for free to a young team that took LeBron to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, sounds like a good option. Mm-hmm. And user Ryanator2736 says, native for Kawhi, straight up. Who says no? Me. And then someone commented under the underwoods. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought of you immediately, Jackson. Touch my grenade. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> the Terminator. He stays with us. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we move on to the season recap finale, the very exciting uh, primary portion of this episode, the draft is coming up on Friday. Guys, we've got the 27th pick until maybe Danny Ainge does something crazy and trades it up along with you know a beloved player for, uh, for a lottery pick. Um, I don't know how much attention you pay to draft prospects and, and college hoops. I don't pay a lot. Uh, Personally, but I want to hear your thoughts on potential 27 pick options for us or how you see the draft playing out for the Celtics in general. Here's a, here's a maybe unpopular opinion or a rather tepid take, whichever you want to look at it. Uh, no trade is made. We draft someone at 27 who no one really knows much about, probably some raw athlete in the, in the, in the, in the ilk of what we've done before. And we don't really see that much of him. Maybe comes in and towards the end of the season, a couple of games here and there, but I think it's a rather uneventful draft if I'm feeling, if I'm honest. Yeah, like yeah. the Gershon sort of pick. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be nice if it was some sort of cultish figure like that again, which I'm sure we will. We'll run with something, but I don't see it being anything anything earth-shattering, no. I Put it this way, I've taken the day off for the draft for the last four drafts, and I'm not this year. Because I just okay. don't, like, I, I just sort of feel like, nah, 27... I'm not feeling it. I think we'll keep our pick as well too. Um, but who knows? Who knows, man? I, I would love to be wrong. So some names that I've heard thrown around, uh, Jonte Porter, who is Michael Porter Jr.'s brother. Is he staying in? Uh, I believe he is still part of the draft unless something has changed in the last couple of days since I did some reading of it. Um, and the only note I have uh, next to him other than versatile two-way player is he's not a junior. Unlike his brother, he's just a regular guy. No uh, junior on, on the end of his name, so uh, maybe that's a plus. <laughs> Another name, uh, Trayvon Duval, who has been good to me in many simulated 2K seasons over the past few years. He's also from Duke Stock and might be Hold a good up. option as a backup point guard if we move on. I was going to say he's qualified for this Celtics team then from Duke. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And segue, another Duke prospect and the person that I hope we draft with my extremely limited knowledge of college, college hoops, uh, Grayson Allen. Mm. Uh, yeah. Another Allen back on the Celtics. Seems to have that scrappy Draymond Green, Marcus Smart element to him, uh, which is like typical of crowd favorite sort of Celtics. Mm-hmm. And he's also from Duke, as we said, and he's a shooting guy, which we lack on our roster. Uh, if you think about it, we've got Jalen Brown, and then Marcus Smart is a, a combo guard, I guess, at best. He's a, a point guard, shooting guard hybrid, and that's that's kind of it other than um, Jabari Bird. So, I mean, our roster is typically short of shooting guards at the moment, and from what you hear about Grayson Allen, he, he does have that sort of scrappiness, bit of an asshole sort of, I guess, from you know the feedback from non-Duke fans, but uh, could be good for our team. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Grayson Allen, <laughs> I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Grayson Allen. That's my favorite. I've heard of him. He must yeah. be good. I, I, uh, I'm working from home on Friday for, for that reason to watch the draft. Hopefully, hang no on, hang on, hang on. Drafts on Thursday, this. homie. Uh, is it the twenty? No, it's on twenty second American time, isn't it? Yeah, it's on our Friday USA. Wait, what? Thursday. Hold up, hold up. It's just it's always on a Thursday. And um, I'm going to Google this again. Wow, guys, this is some live stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is riveting shit. Um, <laughs> I'm about to get devastated live on air. Nah, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah. So I'm about to right, well, I'm, I'll, I'm I'll probably edit that out anyway, so don't worry. Nah, man, uh, keep it in. you got to keep me humble. If it's, if, it's, if it's US Friday, does that make it Australian? Nah, nah. It's, so it's, it's US Thursday. US, US Thursday. Cool. Okay, now that we've dispensed with the actually relevant current goings on it's time for part two of our season recap special the final part and we're going to take on a bit of a pti pardon the interruption timed format to make sure that we don't hang too heavily on any particular um component of the season uh guys we're going to synchronize watches all set you're going to count down from three begins three (laughs) two one start All all right let's get it October 3rd to October 12th, the preseason. Amazing and definitely an interesting uh, source of just great happiness. Uh, if, if you want to look back on our on our team and, and see them in their true form with Gordon Hayward Healthy and Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart, we played the Hornets twice. We played the Sixers twice. We went undefeated. We killed them all. Guys, we killed them all. We look friggin' sexy. We looked sexy. I've, I've never looked forward to seeing a preseason game more than I was to see. I think the first game was at the Sixers. I, I've, I've, it was so anticipated, but I can't remember it for the life of me. But yeah, no, I was dying to see that team. And when I did see it, I really liked what I saw. And it definitely got the expectations high for the season. Yeah, I was hyped. It looked amazing. Um, yeah, I can't wait. The only the only preseason one, I, I look forward to preseason every year, but um, this year is going to be way up there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's always a long time coming. So even though preseason basketball, you know, it's, it's nothing in comparison to the real thing or the postseason. Uh, There's been such a drought up until that point and you just get sneak peeks into to, uh, to, to training camp and things like that. When it finally comes up, it's such a relief. It's like releasing the pressure on a, on yeah. a tight valve. Uh, Kyrie so, Irving. I was going to say, so, the sum, I was gonna say a massive dump. Over it. Gonna, the summer league too was pretty interesting. <laughs> we got first look at Jason Tatum and I was pretty happy with what I saw then too. Yeah, and JB, uh, Jalen Brown rolled it back as well and, and played and, uh, and and dominated. Is it time? All right, that's All right, time. Yeah. Uh, October 17th, 2017, the Gordon Hayward injury. Guys, walk me through your Gordon Hayward injury experience. Unsexy. Mine's not that, 
Unsexy. <laughs> um, mine's, <laughs> mine's not that graphic. I was, I was at work. I was missing it. Um, and I was going to try and just get on a break, like watch bits of it and eventually bring it up. And my phone exploded saying, uh, oh, there goes your season. Like, what are you talking about? And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was nasty. It was a dark, dark time. And then we fell into a really bad lead. It looked like we were going to get pumped, but then we ended up coming back. That game was really exciting. But yeah, it was a, it was a dark day. Hot take. It was the picture of the Celtic season. Like the game was the Celtic season in microcosm. The um, the the injury at the start, the (laughs) the comeback against all odds, and then just falling short against the Cavs. It really was. It was. uh, Yeah, Yeah. it was a little picture of it. Um, I was the same as you. Um, I was like, it hardly started. I checked Twitter and I was like, oh, you just see these people not referring to what had actually happened, right? And then, and then you figure out what's happened by looking at the injury on Twitter. There's just like lots of oh gods <laughs> coming up on Twitter. Yeah, thoughts and We've prayers. We've got 15 seconds left. I was watching it on a on a newly set up projector at a friend's place. I was adjusting the projector, so my head was right next to the very enlarged image, and I looked up at the very moment they panned across Hayward's uh, ankle, and I, I couldn't believe what oh. I saw. Very <laughs> shocking. Uh, yeah. Anyway, nothing else to be said. Reset. Eh, enough uh, of that. Uh, Too dark. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. October twenty to November twenty. The sixteen-game winning streak, starting with the three now immortalized words. Said by one Kyrie Irving, which spurred our our sixteen-game winning streak, where we rallied back from deficits of eighteen against OKC, eighteen against the Hornets, seventeen against the Warriors, sixteen from the Hawks, and thirteen against the Mavs. Uh, and 16-2, which matched the best start in franchise hist- history through 18 games. So that streak over the street, we were 16 in fellatio. Oh! It didn't get the reception. I mean, it, it, definitely, it, was the, it was the marker for, for the progress from that point onwards. That was at halftime, and the second half of that game, like we were a completely different team and, and stayed that way for the next 16 games or so. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, like um, as good as the as good as the Warriors win was, like that was a real gritty game. We had house stamp all over that one, man. For, for me, like the Mavs game was actually the one I enjoyed the most. It was the last one we had before we lost to the Heat. The next game after that, but seeing Kyrie properly go off for the first time, pulling it out to get to overtime, then looking like we're going to blow it, and then coming back hard in overtime again. Like for me, that was probably the most enjoyable game of that series, in my opinion. Yeah, and we beat the Spurs for the first time in the Brad Stevens yes. era. Yeah. Yeah, which but, in a vacuum outside of any sort of winning streak would have been an amazing thing that we would have covered on this podcast regardless. It's a huge milestone. There was heaps of little random ones in there. Like, do you remember the um, like the Toronto one? We had a, like a real crazy defensive stand. We beat them by one. Like that was a huge game, you know. And it was just yeah, one yeah. of many in that in that streak. And then we went seven and two after the streak, so still pretty good. All right, we went a little bit over time there. That's fine. That's right. Going to reset. All right. Moving on, December 28, 2017, big win against Houston. Oh, I think we all remember this game. Mm-hmm. Peak of the season. So 26-point deficit. Houston won the first quarter 32-12 to and then were winning 62-38 to at halftime. Uh, the final minute really stands out, I think, in, in all people's minds. Uh, Marcus Smart in particular, guys, thoughts on this game? Game of the season for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It, it's yeah. like I mean, as 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 amazing as some of those like postseason moments were. Like I mean, for me, this just this game was just just so bonkers. Like I mean, I I've I was learning not to give up on the Celtics around this time of season because we had been behind by so many. But it was Houston, and we were just dog shit. And I was I basically had, and I was I was out, and I was looking at the the, the score on my phone, and it just started to creep up and creep up and creep up and creep up. 
and I had to, I just bolted into, I think it was a restaurant somewhere and just like watched the rest of it on my phone. And it was remarkable, so remarkable emotions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was watching it with my girlfriend at the time and, um, and like, I just, I was just like, I can't believe we won that game. Like I just walked, I was just in a daze. It was, you know how <laughs> yeah. that, there's yeah. some games just give you that certain like lightheaded feeling. Yes. Where you just like, you yeah. can't, oh, you're just like walking around afterwards. This was just like that times 10. Yeah, the, the smart drawing, Marcus smart drawing, drawing the, the charge fails on Harden. Uh, yeah. But uh, it needs to be said, Eric Gordon almost made that three-quarter shot to win it in the end. Um, <laughs> wow. Anyway, time's up. <laughs> Let's move on. January 11, 2018, the London game, where we overcame yet again another deficit. We overcame a 22-point deficit to beat Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and the pesky 76ers. This one's a bit sore for me, actually, in a weird way, because I was living in London for the last two years. And the two years that I was in London, the games that the NBA bestowed upon us that we could watch were the blockbusters of the Orlando Magic versus the Toronto Raptors (laughs) and and the the Indiana Pacers versus the Denver Nuggets. And then one (laughs) week after I get back home to Australia, oh, it's Boston versus Philadelphia. (laughs) Like a playoff preview. Horrible, sickening feeling. Jackson, they don't care about you. They don't no, care no, no, about no. you, Jackson. Apparently, the tickets were impossible to get anyway. We've been paying like 200 pounds. So, it, look, there was the right result at the end of the day. It's no problem. Jackson, you're a, you're a media personality now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> after this game, I was like, man, like, you just kind of, after that, I always expected us to come back. And it just happened so many times at that point. Eh? We had the Houston thing like two weeks previous. And it was like the kind of exhale thing is like, ah, we got through that really hard stretch of the season. We're on easy street now, which is probably going to lead in to Ben. Well, we did lose the next four games mm, and went overall. We sure did. Mm. We I'm just going to reset my, my timer here, Let it run. Uh, starting it again. So, yeah, we went six and nine between the London game and the All-Star game. But the, the next milestone of the season, January 24, 2018, Marcus Smart lacerates hand. So after the, <laughs> the, Lakers the narrow game, loss it? against the LA Lakers, where we almost clawed back again, again, thanks to them missing a shitload of free throws at the end of the game, Marcus Smart dribbled up the court uh, after, I think, is it Josh or Joe Hart? Uh, I think it's Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Hart. Um, yeah from Villanova, uh, missed yet another free throw, dribbled up the court and had so many options to pass to for a potential game-winning shot. We only needed a two to win it. And Kyrie Marcus was Smart coming took, to the ball. Yeah, and Smart took a boneheaded three and missed and uh, ended up punching a uh, uh, a picture and breaking his hand. Yeah, That had that had other things. That had uh, Sorry, that was to do with other uh, personal issues as well. I'm sure that confounded it as well too, but I, the, yeah, the, the, sure. the, the source was it was a, a, some lady friend from his past. Amongst yeah, other right. things. Was it an import situation? An import Something, situation yeah, going import, on? Yes, yes, indeed. Import with some uh, some extra baggage that he wasn't anticipating. <laughs> a little bit, of, little bit extra lady fees. God, God. All right, we're going to save some time here. <laughs> Customs hit him with a few charges. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, February eighth, twenty eighteen. The Celtics sign Gregory Monroe. Mm. Yeah. Um, expectations were high, I think, at this point, given his performances, uh, which I have referenced ad nauseum on this podcast since its inception. Greg Monroe killed the Celtics anytime we faced him, whether he was with the Pistons or the or the Bucks or the Suns. Then we finally got him on our team, and the expectations were high and not really met. Yeah. yeah. He didn't score enough for me. <laughs> like, I just felt like he didn't release. Really, you know, like, we knew he was going to suck on D, but, like... He just didn't put the ball on the hoop a hell of a lot. 
He did suck on D, absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> wasn't he like one of only two Celtics bin, this year? To, bin. <laughs> wasn't he only one or, one or maybe three of Celtics to get a triple-double this year? Like Terry, Al, and then there's Greg Munro. Was that about it or something? I don't, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, just goes to show you what the triple-double you know, one is of worth. Only, but, one of um, only a third of the entire team, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping Brad Stevens would just do the magic and just turn him into this, this, this ima- massively improved you know, uh, prospect, particularly on defense. But um, no, look, it didn't work out. I never thought he was the... Maybe once or twice, but I never thought he was like the, the absolute worst player on the team. Like in games where he was bad, I thought the team was bad as a whole. So I never attributed a lot of it to him. But I mean, he didn't really, there was no game where you really remember him going, like, wow, like him really showing us what he had. So that was a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, moving on. February 11, 2018, Paul Pierce, jersey retirement, mm. which occurred immediately after the brutal, terrible 121 to 99 loss to the Cavs. Uh, Paul Pierce, the 22nd number, retired in Celtics history. But I don't know if you guys recall the the controversy around the the, the IT oh, situation. Oh, Isaiah yeah. Thomas potentially yeah, sharing the spotlight with Pierce, and then he gets traded, <laughs> much to our relief, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they avoided the so situation. It's such a funny story now when you think about it, eh? Like, well, yeah, because all it, the drama about being Isaiah nothing. being there. Mm. <laughs> it was, just, yeah. It wasn't it, even, if, if, if the, if the Celtics TV series was like, if Celtics was like a TV series this season, like that would just be like a two or three episode stretch where you're just like, what are they doing here? This is just bizarre. But yeah, it was, for me, it was all a bunch of nothing. I felt like the media and everyone else was like, like turning into something that it really wasn't. Like Paul Pierce said something, then he said he wasn't doing something. And then it was like all this crap. And it was just like, and it ended up just being, you know, largely irrelevant because the, the game was so horrendously awful to sit through. And, uh, you know, a, a jersey retirement ceremony, I guess, is a jersey retirement ceremony. So it didn't really, you know, stole <laughs> for nothing, I mean, really. Hey, I hey guess, all I this said, to... like, I love Pierce, but, like, I felt like Jalen Rose gave one of the best TV moments of the season when he just said to Pierce straight up to his face. I thought it was petty, fam. And I totally agreed it. Like, I just thought, man, I was like, Jalen Rose seems like a boss in real life. He does. He's, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was... That was real, like for him to just pull him out like that to his face on TV. But, you know, Jalen Rose has shown us to be to that kind of person and, you know, power to him, respect to him. The the Celtics fan, the the TD Garden chants of We Want Pierce during the fourth quarter. This is a a crowd and arena known to chant in favor of their team in, in situations where they are losing quite badly. Typically, it happens in the dying moments of a playoff series or a final series. Yes. This time, it happened in the middle of a regular season. Um, but that's, I don't know. I, I thought that was a, a diamond in the rough, if you will. Uh, and I know we're over time here, but just the fact that the fans found a, a positive sort of element to that whole situation, you know, that's yeah. what makes me they didn't, happy to be a Celtics fan. They didn't let it ruin the night, and that was great to see. It's a great Absolutely. fan base to be, a, like, to be part of. Eh? You know, like, we came yeah. up with Beat LA. <laughs> Beat LA is, man, that's turning chicken crap into chicken salad if nothing else you know like that's a that's who we are that's our dna man i'm proud of it no ambiguity in that chant either it's just like please please actually go and beat los angeles thank you <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> moving on february 19 2018 the nba all-star game slightly different format this year with the team steph team lebron draft situation we had al horford on team steph and kyrie on team lebron where horford was allegedly Picked last. Can't say, despite all of my love for for Horford and his beautiful face, that I, I blame uh, the the order of the pick there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on the All Star game? I thought it was actually pretty entertaining this year. 
I, at I first, I thought, it, it, yeah, yeah. At first, I didn't think it was that great of a game. I didn't really have like the circus element to it, but didn't really seem competitive at the same time. But as that game went on, particularly that fourth quarter, that was an amazing, a really, really good watch. Um, so just just quickly on Horford, I mean, like we all know what Horford's about, and I feel like the NBA is kind of the, that stereotype of him being average. Al is sort of seems to be shifting. I think people have seen enough from him now, but he, he's not really your all-star sort of player. You know, he's not all flash and all dunks. You know, he's like, he's more in that Tim Duncan sort of, you know, uh, school of like, you know, fundamentals and just doing the little things here. So all-star games for so long have just been about, you know, re- like circus shots and alley-oops and all that kind of shit. So it's really not his sort of thing. He still deserves to be there, but it's just nearly not his bag, I think. Um, take, take. Um, I think it was interesting that Embiid, like, because it was sort of like taken as a sign that Embiid's like kind of arrived, that he was out there with those last 10 guys. And I think yeah. it's quite mm. interesting. This is the difference between like a competitive, like a truly competitive pickup type game at the All-Star and the playoffs, right? Where in an All-Star game or in a, even a competitive pickup game, it's more about your strengths. And in the playoffs where it gets real, it's actually more about what weaknesses you don't have. You know, so who's yeah. got the less weaknesses seems to be the person who who often comes out on top. And Horford's, he's like one of the ten least weak players in in the NBA. I almost feel like does that make sense? Is that I don't know. It's kind of a weird weird way to phrase it, but yeah. I feel like he's one of the ten least weak players in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, ten, I, ten I get what you're saying. Players whose weaknesses are the hardest to exploit. Would you say? Yeah, like he's got the least weaknesses. He's not like. You know what I mean? Like if you were to say who's who's the ten least exploitable players in the NBA, he would be way up there. Yeah, and yet uh, at the same yeah. time, any particular strengths are also difficult to highlight as well. He, he's just yeah. very sound and well rounded. I don't think the the playoffs run looks anything like it did if Al Horford's one of those guys who were injured. Just absolutely, just saying, just saying. Now March nine to April five, the great. Injury announcement stretch of 2018. In chronological order, March 9, Jalen Brown falls on his head in Minnesota, uh, enters the NBA concussion protocol. He's out until March 25. March 12, Danny T, Daniel Tice. Tice, Tice, baby. Tice is nice. Out for the season with the the knee injury. I think it was a meniscus that, uh, that took him out. March 17, Marcus Smart. Ends up having to have surgery on the lacerate, lacerated thumb after it was identified that a ligament or uh, a tendon was was torn or damaged as a result of punching the the glass picture frame. March twenty five, Kyrie Irving gets the tension wire removed. At that point, diagnosed as coming back within three to six weeks. Fairly minor procedure there, but then April five. Kyrie Irving, the news comes out, out for the season after screws need to be removed. There's an infection in the knee. He needs a shitload of antibiotics, and we're not going to see him again, even into the playoffs, which at that point uh, was absolutely devastating. And um, I entered a a dark, a dark <laughs> state of mind for, for some period of time. Mm. Yeah, for me, it felt like you you it, you really had to put all your expectations that you had at the start of the season like truly to bed now. Like they took a hit when Hayward went down. But now it felt like okay, all hope is lost. Like I was, I was in a position where I was saying, you know, making it out of the first round of the playoffs would be, would be, I'd be very happy with that. And that's like, I think the mentality of where a lot of us were. So in hindsight, like it's in a, it, it was like almost kind of the day where, like they just threw the marker down, and it was like it was they all just probably galvanized around this, you know, this these hurdles that they have to overcome. But yeah, at the time, yeah, I'm with you, man. That was uh, that was no good. It wasn't fun NBA that day. I remember. I yeah. didn't, didn't enjoy it as much. 
Yeah, it always sucks when you, you know, there's always like a realization, eh, that my team isn't going to be able to do it this year. And mm. I regret it, but I came to that conclusion at that point. And it's just like, it's no fun, you know, like, because hope's, hope's why we do this, right? We love it. We love it because we get to hope that something amazing could happen. And when you lose it, it's kind of, yeah, it, it kind of, it just snuffs out the reason why you do this to a little bit, to a slight extent, you know? Which brings us to the next uh, segment of the season, the quote, fuck yeah, six-game winning streak, Boston Celtics, the birth of the hospital Celtics, the six-game winning streak. So I've turned off the clock for this one because there's a little bit of content here. No Jalen Brown for the first two games. No Kyrie, no Smart, no Tice, definitely no Gordon Hayward. It starts with the game against OKC, the 100-99 to Mook game winner with piss poor commentary. Uh, Rogier hit that huge three before yeah. before that Mook game winner, which is sort of underplayed. And Tatum had a big game as well with yeah. twenty three points and eleven rebounds. Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony absolutely starring at the free throw line as well. Must be so. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, that right. was huge. Oh yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, Westbrook now, too, to be fair. But yeah, Carmelo really took it. And yeah, Adams, and another, Adams bricked one as well. Yep. Very, another very case cool. of uh, that almost going the other way, where Westbrook had that very open potential game-winning look at the very end of the game to, to send it a completely different way. But we get the win after all of this injury news. We get a bit of momentum behind us heading into the West Coast trip, which brings us to the Portland game, the 105-100 to 100 victory. Marcus Morris, 30 points. And we won the fourth quarter, 38-23. to 23. Monroe with 10-10-4 and two blocks as well. Um, so just unlikely heroes starting to emerge in the midst of all of this terrible news. And all of a sudden, a bit of momentum, a bit of, bit of hope, as you spoke about earlier, Joe, a bit of optimism. And we start to get back on board. We start to look forward to, to what might be heading into the playoffs. And then the game against Sacramento, Jalen Brown returns after the, the very scary injury he had uh, slightly earlier in the month. He scores 19 points. We get 33 from Rogier in this game, 8 for 12 from 3, and 5 steals from Terry. Uh, and probably an expected win from us, even though we had all of the injuries. Very quickly, we move on to Phoenix, where Tatum outshines Josh Jackson. The, the first quarter of this game, I don't know if you remember, was exciting, where yeah. Tatum punch, scored punch. nine of our first 11, and Jackson oh, scored the yeah. Suns' uh, first 11 points. Then it was like these two guys knew about the situation and, and knew that they were you know, obviously drafted closely together, and there was a bit of competition, and uh, that really showed, which was exciting. Yeah, I, I, I guess it was the first time I actually saw Josh Jackson do anything that I have personally <laughs> known in the NBA. That I had been watching. I'm not a Phoenix fan, obviously, but um, yeah, that was a great first quarter. I really, I really enjoyed seeing those guys go at it. You could tell that there was like kind of more. It was like a personal thing going on. That was it's refreshing when things happen like that sometimes, particularly amongst rookies. It was one of those weird games where we, I think we got up to like 20. We were up by 20 pretty early, and we let them creep back in. Those games sort of always. They're not my favorite games. I'd rather be behind and do the comeback, you know, than uh, yeah. than deal with that. It's kind of the reverse comeback. And then we move on to Utah, which I remember just being Great like, game. yeah, we'll, we'll lose this game. Utah were on a tear at that time as well, much more than we were. And they had actually overtaken us with the highest rate of defense in the league at that time. We end up pulling up the 97-94 win. Obviously, you know, the Jalen Brown three-point game winner. We had no Al Horford, no Mook Morris, who, you know, despite how things looked at the beginning of the season, was, was huge for us in that game. Gershon Yabaselli started the game. Uh, it just it wasn't looking good for us, but then we just pulled out this amazing win uh, despite having 18 turnovers in the game. Yeah, there was... Um... 
that was just a, a gritty one, eh? It was a gritty one. And um, I remember we got down by like 11, uh, maybe in the third, and it looked like they are going to pull away. And we just we just hung in there, and it was um, it, it was just so satisfying. It was just, you know, just so satisfying. Often games at that score, like that sort of score range, are quite satisfying wins. And Hopefully. this was right there. Yeah. Yeah, we got. I mean, we got lucky towards the end there a couple of times. I think like you know Donovan Mitchell and and Ricky Rubio missed a couple of open like mid ranges. But like when things like that start to happen and we start to get momentum up, it's like you, yeah. you get that feeling start to rise and you're like, oh my god, we're actually going to do it. And you know, lo and behold, did it again. And that that Jalen Brown yeah. game winner, I I don't yeah. just off the quick top of my head. I mean, the the Mook one against Oklahoma City was amazing, but I think that Jalen Brown game winner is probably my favorite of the year. I think it might be. It looked so sweet. Like it looked just. He caught it in rhythm, and it was just yeah. a feather. It was a just, feathery yeah. jumper. And we just, we just pulled their defense apart, too. They had no idea where anyone was, and yeah, the way it went mm. down was great. Yeah. Was it Larkin? Yeah, I think Terry, play? Terry was open as well on that play. Could have easily gone to Rogier. Um, but you, you mentioned Larkin. He came away with a team-high nine rebounds in that game somehow, given that he's basically the shortest person on the on the planet, certainly in the <laughs> league. Um and grabbed all those boards. That was an interesting stat. Going through the stats, you know, in research for this podcast, I, just, I did a bit of a double take at that. Then we moved on to Toronto, back at home against the Raptors. Another win, our sixth in a row in this stretch. Uh, Morris got ejected super late in the game after putting up 25-9. and nine. Tatum with a solid 24-6-4. Rogier 21-7. and seven. Uh, And, you know, I talked about that that renewed optimism later. And at this point, you know, we're going up against the first seed Toronto Raptors. We've just been on this hugely successful West Coast trip. And, I mean, this is why this particular portion of the season was so worthy of being in this recap podcast because I was just brimming with, like, pride and and optimism, like I said, and, and just so much happiness around the team and what we were able to accomplish with such a diminished roster. Mm-hmm. And this win against Toronto really sort of rounded that off in my mind. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put it. It was, super, satis- it off. It was yeah. super satisfying too because at that point, like we thought the one seed might be back on and I thought like obviously what everything that had happened the month earlier with all the injuries, like it was, you were starting to believe like there was something really special going on here. And I think like even though our expectations had shifted when all the injuries came out, particularly Kyrie, I felt like people started to think to yourself, well, shit, no, hang on. This is something quite special here. We're, we're going places. And to beat Toronto, you know, I, I, I had to make it six wins in a row. Yeah, it was it was very, very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that pretty much brings us to the end of the regular season. Uh, I do have a, a very short list of regular season honorable mentions. And that starts with a few games later, the, the final game of the season, Bainsey, Aaron Bainsey, Bainsey, get him up here. He went out, get him up here. Like he, he put up like a Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain style, <laughs> the, the pride of the country. Uh, thanks very much, New Zealand. By the way, twenty six <laughs> points and National fourteen treasure. boards, nine offensive boards, <laughs> uh, and two assists in his last in our last game of the regular season against Brooklyn, which. I guess everyone was resting at that point and someone had to do it. And, you know, in the positionless, systemless system that is the, the mastermind of Brad Stevens, someone's always going to shine. We've seen Isaiah Thomas do it. Now Aaron Baines is doing it. Uh, I just, I don't know. That was just in a game that meant nothing and sort of most people probably hardly even watched. It was That was just super fun to see the man bun just uh, get it done. Yeah, he got his own legitimate Timmy Highlights video, but worthy of, of that performance. So yeah, power to him. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Timmy. Shout out to me. 
Yeah. Uh, regular season honorable mentions. Number two, Horford, game winner against Portland, where he, he made the game winning shot and he celebrated like just like a like a dorky dad. Like it looked like he'd <laughs> never made that kind of shot in his life. And obviously he's a very successful like professional basketball player, you have to imagine that at some point, whether it be middle school, high school, college, NBA, he's made a game-winning shot before, but his reaction was just hilarious to me. I was watching it again today, and he was so genuinely excited and thrilled like with himself in the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was just a good part of the season, I thought. The crowd reaction when that went down too was amazing too because that was Super Bowl was Super Sunday, Bowl I think, game, and yeah. everyone was amped and everyone like when that went down, it was kind of like, yes, now on to the next one. And I just remember the reaction of that game when it was amazing coming through the TV. That yeah. was one of my. That was probably my first late to work game of the season, <laughs> because <laughs> because it was a Sunday matinee, right? And um and you know yeah, it was early, yeah. And yeah, yeah and uh, like we we took the lead. Tatum missed a free throw, if I remember. Down the like, did Tatum miss a free throw in this game down the stretch? That would have put us up by a bit. I might be confusing that, but anyway, it kept seesawing back, and we could not stop Lillard. You know, like. We'd go up by one, and then they went up by one, and we then we went up by one, and then finally we um, we clinched it. It was tense, man. So I couldn't just like go to work. <laughs> it was it, it kept sucking me in. Yeah, some quick stat based uh, honorable mentions. We finished the season number one in defensive rating at one hundred one point five, fourth overall in win percentage, seventh overall in three pointers made, and second in three point percentage with just under thirty eight percent. Eighth overall in rebounding and two and zero against the Nuggets, where my uh, mate and co-host of the Fantasy Hoops podcast, Nick Paradise, is a huge Nuggets fan. Lives down the road from me. Pretty sure he doesn't listen, but uh, just they <laughs> swept us me. last year. And for so long, every time I would see him, my mate Nick, he would say, "Get your brooms out!" About the Nuggets sweeping the Celtics. So that the fact that we didn't lose Who's them a Nuggets this year, fan who doesn't live in Denver. Seriously, uh, this guy. Yeah, yeah. what's Maybe, up with that? Anyway, he might. He's a he's a moderator of the Nuggets sub, so he might come on one day to to. I don't know. I don't talk know how we'll work talk that Nuggets. In. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, talk, <laughs> talk some Nuggets. Talk some Nuggets. Maybe in the yeah. Um. So anyway, that was great for me personally. And uh, Tatum makes the All Rookie First Team, and Horford makes the All Defensive Second Team. And to cap it off, just Jason Tatum in general. Just watching him. You know, in his first game where his his first field goal attempt was blocked by LeBron James and then almost one of his final <laughs> yes. field goal attempts was just dunking on LeBron's head, uh, which That's really progress. softened the blow. Yeah. Yeah. It's and quite it, it really, somewhat. <laughs> yeah. It, it really softened the blow of just losing that series, which obviously making the finals would have been better. But I just felt way less bad about losing given that he dunked all up on LeBron James's face. It just made me yeah. feel good. Yeah. I think it's also one thing I think kind of mentioned but i don't think it's been mentioned enough in the media it's like it's always been like ben simmons and then donovan mitchell came up and it was always these two guys who were going for the rookie of the year tatum's was always just kind of consistently just producing what he needed to do getting by we knew how good he was everyone else kind of hadn't cottoned on it as well but come the playoffs when he had that platform to perform and he did perform it was something to behold and he's like he's really he's kind of worked his way into the conversation for rookie of the year he's not going to get it i think that's foregone conclusion but he just he really announced himself at the right time of the season to the, like the wider NBA community, in my opinion. Yeah, he's just a quiet achiever, Jason Tatum. He's a great Australian. I'll claim him, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thank you, Bill Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> now, getting to the playoffs, we like I said, we've already covered the playoffs in, in very great detail. That's really when our podcast here started to to take a little bit of momentum or, or gain a little bit of momentum, rather. So we're going to do a similar honorable mentions playoff recap. Uh, and I start with Chris Middleton. Yeah. 
respect. Dare Chris I say Paul. the name? Yeah. He's basically Voldemort. Voldemort I was to about to say, yeah. <laughs> Almost looks like him too. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got a bit of a Ray Fiennes kind of vibe about him. He uh, he averaged 25 points on 60% field goal percentage, 61% from three. It just felt like every every shot that he took was going in. I just I learned to fear him. And then I haven't got this listed here, but it sort of reminds me of JJ Redick, uh, who sort of carried the torch. Um, the the baton was passed to him from Chris Middleton into the the following series. They just seemed to be these like villains, these three point long-range sniper villains that we, we couldn't escape. And uh, I don't know. Fortunately, we did escape them in each series, but uh, it just made life difficult for us and, and tested my cardiovascular capacity in every game. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for Middleton after that Buck series, tell you 100%. what. I hadn't watched much of him there, but he was he was a killer, absolute killer. Yeah. And I was, yeah, it took a while to get over to get over that dude <laughs> with those that yeah. shooting. Yeah, yeah totally. He's a Big problem, up to Chris Middleton. Man. Ben Simmons in the first round against the Heat. I'm just going to get these stats out there and then I'll 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 expound on them. Against the Heat, 18 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 2.5 steals, 13.2 field goals attempted at 50% from the floor and 4 turnovers. Against Boston, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 47% from the field and 5 turnovers. I, I had a narrative in my mind before I went looking for these stats, thinking, oh, they're, they're going to be amazing against the Heat, and they were you know, quite good, especially for a rookie, and they're going to be terrible against the Celtics, and that's going to really uh, demonstrate you know, our defensive abilities and how we shut down Ben Simmons. The, the stats between the two series are surprisingly similar. There's a bit of a dip in points per game, you know, 18 points against the Heat versus 14 points against the Celtics. But other than that... Uh, all of the stats are almost on par with one another. It, it didn't didn't really tell the story as to how we shut him down so well. I think what isn't quantified in in the statistics is just how much we forced him to to pass the ball out. It wasn't so much a turnover or or forcing a missed shot. It was just getting the ball out of his hands, and that that's what we did so well. But I was I'm very surprised to see the similar similarity in the stats between the two series. Yeah. One stat you missed out there was one wide open dunk that he missed in game yeah. three too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, Best contribution, in my opinion. But yeah, man, it was it was it was bizarre seeing him look being as ineffective as he was. I think I think he'll definitely take a lot of that from the offseason and work on his game, and we'll probably see him again before too long. But um, yeah, I, for me it was for me those stats don't tell the story because our defense on him, our game plan around him and Embiid was was exceptional, and we you know almost swept them. So it's amazing. Jalen Brown. In the first round against the Bucks, 30 points in game two, 34 points in game four. And not to repeat the optimism line too much, but I'm thinking, here we go. Like, this is our this is our Paul George light sort of coming into his own. And he's starting to show that he can be a, an elite scorer as well as the Avery Bradley defensive replacement, a two-way player. He's young. You know, we've got him signed for a few more years. Um, obviously, you know, he may be quieting down a little bit in subsequent series in the playoffs, but um, he, he put up some really good numbers in that first round series. And it's probably, you know, one of the main reasons that we actually got out of that series alive. And finally, the emergence of Scary Terry, which uh, I was a major sucker for that. I ended up buying one of those Scary Terry t-shirts. Um, so which on one? board. The, which one, sorry? Like one of the original ones, like a white one, and he's got the scream mask on right. and he's holding a knife or something. I really wanted um, to buy the confetti one just yeah, because I thought, like, yeah. even though it's going to age, it's going to be, it's a great moment in time. So I think I might still buy one of those if there are any left. Yeah, which actually segues to the next and final point of the podcast, the best game of the playoffs. 
my favorite, my opinion for the best game of the playoffs was at Philadelphia, game three, our only road win of the playoffs, and of course, the confetti game. Uh, guys, before we wrap this up, have you got a favorite game of the playoffs, a favorite moment of the playoffs, um, a, a final glimpse of this season before we finally uh, tie the knot on this and move on forever? Either that game or game five. Game five was pretty cool. Um, because you know, we got a you know, we kind of got that six point lead and then we lost it and then we came back. You know, it was cool, yeah. But uh, I, I was it was really sweet, I think, beating Cleveland game two because that was LeBron going like nuclear and we still smashed them. So I thought, okay, it's on, and obviously it didn't work out as well. So, <laughs> with all that considered, I'll probably agree with you that game three was the best. Um, we just said it bears repeating though, I think, moment of the of the uh of the playoffs though was uh JT posterizing LeBron and um maybe one of my favorite basketball moments ever we'll see yeah mm. it's definitely top 5 for me i don't know if recency bias sort of um you know plays into sure. things there but nah, um that's that's a real bro. a feel good moment all right that's the season recap done we're going to move on as a group of guys, we've probably held on to a fantastic season for way too long. We've done the recap in, in great detail. We're now moving on. We've got the draft coming up this Thursday in the States, Friday in Australia, New Zealand. Whether or not you hear from us after the draft will largely depend on whether or not anything interesting happens. <laughs> so uh, look forward to possibly talking to you guys at that point or just after the draft. That'll just about do it for this episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. I will certainly be coming back to you guys on several occasions throughout the offseason, depending on the news cycle that comes out around the team. Until that time, Joe, Jackson, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, gents. Been a pleasure thanks. reviewing this bloody roller coaster of a season. Sad it's, it's over, season. but on a new one. Yeah, it's been real. All right, looking forward to the next one. Go Celtics. Peace. On to the next.